This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. G'day there, and thanks for looking us up on your favourite podcast uh, streaming service and tuning in to today's episode of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. And today, of course, it's in league with the NRL. Now, we've been away for a couple of weeks because it feels to me like I'm repeating myself every week. And when you're repeating yourself often and no one's listening and no one's changing anything, it gets a bit frustrating. And then eventually you get to the point where you need to repeat yourself again. So I'm probably going to do that again today. But of course, Origin teams have also been announced for next week's uh, Origin opener. And as per usual, uh, from the last three or four years, it looks as though New South Wales are pretty much gifting the Maroons the first game with their selections today. So we'll talk about a little bit about the Origin We'll talk a little bit about uh, suspensions and non-suspensions and anything else that tips our fancy on today's episode of In League with the NRL, right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. is it that in recent times New South Wales always seemed to give Queensland a free kick for game one now perhaps that wasn't the case two years ago when New South Wales did win that opening match in fact they won the opening two matches of that series to actually win the series but three years ago as we know when we had COVID and we had all three games played in November New South Wales selections were incorrect and everyone at the time thought so, and up against what was considered to be the worst Queensland side ever, New South Wales managed to lose that first game, and then the series 2-1. And then last year, exactly the same thing. There were a couple of key selections, uh, players who weren't selected, and other guys were given a go, and New South Wales bombed out in game one, won game two, and then lost the series 2-1 again giving Billy Slater his uh, fantastic start to his coaching career. So where does that leave us here in 2023? Well, to be honest, uh, from the sidelines, it looks like we're doing exactly the same thing again. Now, if you look at the Queensland team first, because there was a couple of interesting selections for them, uh, Kalen Ponga has been left out of the team, and Reese Walsh has been picked at fullback. Now, on the surface, 
that might seem to be an unusual decision because Ponga does generally step up for Origin Series and uh, is one of the key players. But in recent times, with his uh, constant battle against concussions and head injury assessments, uh, it's proving to be a bit of a problem. Now, of course, in the first couple of minutes of last weekend's game for Newcastle, he again got hit in the head and had to go off for HIA. He did come back, but he didn't seem to be the same player either. Now, no doubt that Billy Slater was probably thinking, can I afford to pick Kalen Ponga in this team, have him get knocked out in that same sort of fashion early in the game, and find myself a man down for the rest of the match? Or do I go with a guy who is in terrific form for the Broncos and has been knocking on the door now for the last couple of years? And in the long run, it was uh, Slater and his fellow selectors have decided that that's the way they're going to go. And look, if it doesn't work out in Game 1, and if for whatever reason, Roos Walsh has an absolute shocker, they know they can come back to Ponga for the rest of the series. So it's not really a bad decision at this point in time. Interesting to see also the inclusion of, say, uh, Tabuai Fado in the centres. Uh, he's been having a terrific season as well with the Dolphins. The rest of the side sort of almost picked itself. Uh, the fact that David Fafida has made been recalled to the team and also into the starting lineup with the way that he's been playing is probably fair enough, especially when you've got guys like uh, Reuben Cotter on the bench to come back in and, of course, Patrick Carrigan there in the starting lineup as well. Uh, Harry Grant will again come off the bench. Uh, ben Hunt's going to start at hooker at this point in time. And, of course, between... Uh, Harry Grant and Ben Hunt and Daly Cherry Evans and Cameron Munster, they have all the halves and dummy halves locked up perfectly. So the Maroons look strong, uh, just as strong as they generally do, except for, of course, the worst team ever that actually went on to win the Origin Series. But now let's look at New South Wales. And obviously there's been uh, a lot of talk over the last few weeks as to who would end up playing in this game, who would be in the starting lineup. Uh, would Nico Hines actually get a start? Would he be on the bench or would he be 18th man again? Um, in the long run, the halves did pick themselves. Cleary and Luai will once again start in the halves. Uh, Luai had to have a spectacular game last weekend, probably to shore up his spot, and that's exactly what he did. The interesting points, though, come from, I think, Trebojevic. Tom Trebojevic has uh, been struggling with form and fitness of late. And he had a blinder on the weekend for Manly against Canberra, which shored up his position in the centres. The other winger, of course, um, has been picked. Brian Toto's on one wing. And Josh Adokar has gained a return to the team that he missed out on for all of last year. Now, he's only just come back from injury and he's played one game. And to me, it seems fairly cruel that a guy like uh, Campbell Graham from Souths, who has been lighting up the competition in the centres for the Rabbitohs, who are at top of the table, and he can't make the top 17 for New South Wales. But we've brought back in Josh Adokar, who did not play last year, and was overlooked fairly publicly by Freddie Fittler last year, and yet he's come back here for one game for Canterbury this season, and he's suddenly in the side. I just think that's not only uh, a bit harsh, 
But I think it's a missed opportunity because Campbell Graham is not only a terrific attacker, but a terrific defender. And even if he was playing on the wing, that would still be a terrific uh, inclusion for New South Wales. But that's not the way they've gone. And then they've also gone with, uh, let's look at others. Tavita Pangoi Jr. has come in and he'll make his debut for New South Wales. Now, really, did anyone see this coming? Has his form for Canterbury, who are currently in the bottom three or four of the competition, been good enough to play origin football? Is it good enough to play in front of two or three other guys who could well fill that position? Now, injuries have hurt with... um, Campbell, uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard being out with injury and, of course, Jake Trebojevic pulling himself out of the team at the last minute because of injury. So that hasn't helped. But New South Wales have gone with Pengai Jr. and then they've gone back to Tyson Frizzell, who hasn't played for the last couple of years, also playing with a team who are you know, not really setting the world on fire. And are these the best guys that New South Wales could pick? For goodness sakes, Jake DeBellin's name came up for a possible re-inclusion in this team. Is this how bad New South Wales is going? Cameron Murray's on the bench. Liam Martin's on the bench. Now, they both started last year. Now they're bench players. And it just seems like it's a dog's breakfast. And then, of course, we now have Nico Hines, who's there, also uh, going to be coming off the bench. Um, So where is he going to fit in when it comes to this? Because... The selectors last year picked both uh, Appy Corosau and Damien Cook as one starting hooker and one coming off the bench and switching between the two of them. Now, this year, they've decided to just go with Corosau and Damien Cook, who again is playing for Souths, who are at the top of the table. He misses out, and Corosau, who's playing for Canterbury, who are down the bottom of the table, is in. So how is it that... They, Canterbury, seem to, I think they've got more players in this team than Souths, or at least the same number. It doesn't make any sense. And the major problems for New South Wales continue to be Tedesco as captain is not in good form. Now, he'll never let New South Wales down, and he won't let New South Wales down, but you wouldn't really be thinking at the moment that his form deserves selection in front of Dylan Edwards at Penrith for a start. All All Latrell Mitchell who could also be at fullback. But no, Tedesco's there. Trebojevic, his form hasn't been great apart from last weekend, and yet he's in the team. Uh, Jerome Luau is not in the best of form. He couldn't say that at all. Uh, I'm not really sure how they're picking Coruscant's form. Is that because the Tigers won 66-18 last weekend against Cowboys, who are terrible, and they suddenly decide, oh, well, Yes, let's pick him as the number one hooker for New South Wales. Do I hope I'm wrong? Uh, I think I've said this before, uh, probably certainly last year on this podcast, that uh, my uh, ability to be excited about State of Origin uh, died a long time ago. Uh, I don't have the same enthusiasm for the game as I used to. Uh, I'm much more interested in the club football now than I am in a state of origin football because I just think it's overblown and Channel 9 just go over the top in trying to promote it and I don't care. I mean, this game's been played in Adelaide for goodness sakes. So who cares about New South Wales playing Queensland in Adelaide? It seems like a really strange thing to me if we're not ever going to have another 
rugby league team in South Australia? Why are we playing this game in Adelaide? But back to the football. Uh, I Personally, I feel as though Queensland are going to win this series 3-0. Now, form would suggest that a 2-1 scoreline either way is more probable. I just don't know that New South Wales have enough. We've got a lot of guys who have been there for a long time who have not done enough when the chips are down. And I mean that in Game 3 last year when they needed to win and they lost. In Game 3 the year before when we led 2-0 and everyone just thought we had to turn up to win 3-0 and they lost that. And the previous year when they lost the third game as well and therefore lost the series. New South Wales realistically should have won the last three series, 3-0. And they've only won one of those series, and that was by 2-1. I don't think this team is is different enough to force the issue of winning this series. The only way we can win this series is if the old guys who have been there for a while now rediscover their greatest form from four or five years ago. And I mean Tedesco and Trebojevic. Uh, we need Latrell to be at absolutely 100%. Uh, we need Cleary and Luai to somehow find the way they play in club football and not find um, the, the way that they played last year. The kicking game last year killed us. It killed New South Wales last year because they tried to do something different than what they do in club football. And it was just... It killed New South Wales. So... Will we win? No, we won't. Um, I would like to get as much money as I can on Queensland, not only winning this first game, but the second game and the third game. Let's see how wrong I can be. Freeman screaming about the one point. Elias is there again. Has he got time? Plenty of it. Hits the crossbar. Freeman was offside. He should have been ruled offside. Let's get back to the uh, refereeing debacle that is happening in 2023. Is it any different from any other year? I don't know. And other decisions that are being made, again, as seems to have been the case, coming from the bunker rather than on the field. And I think that's where our main problem is at the moment, is that the referee on the field is allowing things to go on and just waits for someone from the bunker to get in his ear and say, ah, let's stop the game, we need to have a look at this. And I think that's wrong, and I think that's not helping our game at all, and it's not helping the decision-making in the game at all. So there are a few issues over the weekend that we can discuss and have a 50-50 sort of uh, probably decision-making prowess about it because there are some who will think that the right decision was made and others who will not and obviously the ones I'm bringing up basically are saying that they're not. The first one I want to bring up is uh, Tino Fasawa Malui. No, who cares? Tino. Everyone knows Tino. I tend to trip over that name a lot. I shouldn't, should I? Anyway, on the weekend he charged the ball up at full pace, got held by two players, and then forced his forearm into the face of Reed Barney from the Bulldogs, who was then forced back with such uh, force that his head then bounced off the ground and 
you could see that he was a little bit wobbly. Two plays went on, and then the bunker stopped the game. They looked at the tackle and at the run and the forearm from Tino, and they immediately said, that's okay, move on. And then they looked at Reed Money and said, right, you've got to go off for an HIA. So the Bulldogs missed out everything. They didn't get a penalty for the forearm to the head. They didn't get the player on report for the forearm to the head. And they lost one of their best players to the HIA for 15 minutes because of the tackle that had been made. Well, it wasn't even a tackle, sorry. It was from the charge from the player. Now, it's quite obvious that players are not allowed, if you're tackling, to hit someone in the head with a swinging arm or with a stiff arm or anything like that. These days, that's generally almost automatic report and automatic 10-minute simbin. But when the player's running the ball, there was no penalty at all. They didn't lose the ball. They didn't get a penalty. He didn't go and report until later on and then didn't go in the Sinbi. So the Bulldogs were the complete losers in all of that. And I don't understand how that was allowed to occur that way, how that decision was made and how they felt that that was a fair decision. Now, in the long run, thankfully for the Bulldogs, it didn't cost them. They got up and won that game. But if they'd lost that game, then they would have had a right to say, where is the fairness in that refereeing? Let's go and look at, after that one, Felice Kafusi, who is going to miss uh, three or four weeks, probably, for his careless high tackle uh, in the second tackle, I think, of the match it was, between the, the Dolphins and the Storm. Now, that was a case of two guys in the tackle again. The ball carrier was already going down. His knees were buckled. And Kafusi came in with a wildly swinging right arm and collected the ball ball carrier in the head and was immediately penalised, put on report, sent to the sin bin. So it just seemed like that was an unfair situation where he had that happen to him on Saturday and on the Sunday, Big Tino didn't have to do anything except carry on, even though he carries on like a bullfed. So in that instance, the decision was correct. And unfortunately for Kufusi, who's only just come back from a four-week suspension, he's going to be spending some more time on the sideline as well. Let's look at Victor Radley. Man, if I was a Rooster supporter, I would be screaming blue murder at this guy. I, if it was me, I would be telling the club to cut him loose. Now, everyone keeps telling me he's a, a terrific player and a really good player and I don't think he's anything above average myself. But he spends more time in the sin bin than any other player out there. And there is very little argument about the fact that every time he goes to the sin bin, he damn well deserves it. Now, last weekend, just for something different, he decided to perform a a lovely headbutt. Fantastic. Now, again... He didn't get sin-binned, which I cannot believe that that was seen by the officials in the bunker and not thought to have given him time in the sin-bin. What are the rules in this stuff anymore? How, how are we refereeing these games? How are we adjudicating what's right and what's wrong and what we want out of the game? It was a clear headbutt 
And no, he was fine. But then he was charged. And of course, he's now entered an early guilty plea and he's going to be out for three matches, which is going to be four weeks because the Roosters had the bye this weekend. But again, it's the indifference um, in the adjudication from the bunker that is astounding sometimes. Do they just not want to send him off for 10 minutes in the bin because he's Victor Radley and he goes every week and then they might say, say, oh, well, we sent him off the last three weeks. We can't send him off again. It's just ridiculous that something that was plainly obvious when it was shown on replay on the TV. So we saw exactly what the bunker should have seen and everyone watching would have said, headbutt, gone. But instead it was headbutt on report. Fantastic. Then you talk about on, uh, I think it was Thursday night, Jerome Luai has made what has been called incidental contact with contact, sorry, incidental contact with the linesman uh, after a try was scored. And it's pretty obvious that he didn't know that it was a linesman and that he thought it was another player. And he just ran in there and, as is his way, just decided he was going to bump this guy out of the way to get him out of the way and say, I'm top dog here, I'll go where I want to go and I want to congratulate my mate. And then he realised it was the linesman and he suddenly puts his hand up saying, oh, oh, sorry, didn't realise it was you, I apologise. And thinking that should be enough. Now, in the past, players who have touched refereeing officials, uh, incident, incidental as well. None of them have made massive contact, but incidentally putting your arm on the referee's shoulder or, in Steve Roach's case, patting him on the head, they've all been suspended for a week. But no, Jerome Luai, who somehow is getting away with this again because it's Origin Week, gets fined $1,800, which the club will pay. And he won't be out of pocket, and he can just go on his merry way as if to say, well, I didn't do anything wrong, so it's all fine. Why is that the case? Why is this? Why is it not just a straight up, if you touch a refereeing official, that you are not suspended? How do they expect... <laughs> Referees are wrong a lot, which just in this little part that I'm doing now is just being proven that they are wrong a lot. But... You can't touch the referees. You can't scream and yell at referees. You have to accept it and you have to go through the right channels. And I know the right channels are wrong. I know that, you know, you get to the point after the game and you start, you're not, firstly, you're not allowed to say anything in the post-match press conference because otherwise you get fined a lot. You have to go through the actual referees association and put in your report and that kind of stuff. And then they put their hands up and say, oh yeah, that was a mistake. Sorry, move on. And nothing gets done about it. Nothing gets changed. Maybe the referee gets a week off you know, in the bunker instead, which is always handy, instead of being on the field. I understand that that system's not good enough. And there should be something done about that too, to be quite honest. And I don't see a problem where a coach shouldn't be allowed in a post-match press conference when there have been absolute dilly decisions made that have cost teams matches that they shouldn't be allowed to say that decision cost us the match. And referees have to get better. I mean, 
as it is, anyone else can talk about other players in other teams or coaches or whatever and, and basically get away with it. So why can't you at least, if the referee has made a blue, that you should not be allowed to point out the referee made a blue? That gets beyond what I'm talking about here. But as I said, you can't touch a referee, but the player gets off with a nominal fine that he won't pay uh, and it means, in the long run, nothing changes because you go out, and if he does it next week, it's the same thing. <sighs> Referees. Surely there's got to be something done. And each week, I know we all sit and watch the TV each week, and we watch these same things happen. We see innumerable forward passes let go that come to tries that sometimes influence games, and nothing is done about it. The sideline officials never call them. Uh, they never put their flag up. It's a waste of time having the sideline officials at all because even when they people step on the line or whatever it is, they go up to the bunker anyway. So why have them there? Just take them out of the game. Um, and we watch this hip drop tackle crap that is going on. Uh, and again, Marnie on the weekend, absolutely robbed, given a penalty away for a tackle that was nothing like a hip drop that the bunker said was. Uh, and the bunker's looking at the same replays that we all are, and yet they're giving the decision an opposite way to what surely 90% of the people watching it thought. So why are these officials in the bunker if they can't even get that right? But will anything happen? Uh, is there any way that we can just have ordinary fans in the bunker uh, adjudicating over these games Maybe one supporter from each team. Let's just get them up there and they can argue themselves as to whether it is or it isn't. Surely that's got to work better than the system we've got at the moment. As Balmain play it back for Elias. Short blindside, they've got some room. Courier's quick. Gets the kick in over the head of Belcher. Bouncing and Grant's there. He passes infield for Courier. This will be incredible. Surinan charging, charging. They won't stop him. What a try. What a rugby league try in the grand final. The bounce favoured the Tigers. The league club erupts. The stadium erupts. The Balmain players can't believe it. Oh, what a try. Righto, that's enough for today's episode. A little bit of rambling. I tried to keep myself in control and not go completely over the top with exactly how I feel about New South Wales selections and refereeing decisions. But I don't know if I succeeded or not. I didn't yell. I didn't get aggressive. I didn't jump up and down. I just couldn't be bothered. I'm too tired. Anyway, uh, once again, everyone who's made it this far, thanks for listening. And uh, as per usual, hopefully you'll be back for the very next episode of In League with the NRL and every episode right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cabin. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.